I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study this evening, and I want to encourage you to have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 17. We have recently studied Paul's letters to Timothy, and in them he warned Timothy that in the last days perilous times would come. Certainly they have. It's an age of immorality. It is a day that we should have expected due to the warning of Scripture. And sometimes we can develop the mindset that we're the only ones that have ever had to minister in an adverse cultural setting. But that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, by the time we arrive at 1 Kings chapter 17, we see the nation of Israel in a spiritually dark period of their history. It's evident that in Elijah's day, he is surrounded by idolatry, Baal worshipers, who go so far as to even sacrifice children. Can you imagine that violence? Immorality is around every corner. You'd think that in this era, God would have intervened with his prophets, but we have an account in history that tells us these prophets in this day were actually hiding in a cave and sustained on mere small tidbits of food for fear of their lives. And truly, they had to be afraid. Had they stepped out, they could have been murdered. Amazingly, the nation is still prosperous. Rain is still falling. Crops are still growing. Markets are still strong. But God chooses this moment in history to intervene. To intervene with a man named Elijah the Tishbite. And in this account, we're going to learn more about generosity. Notice in verse 1 what we read. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. Now there's a lot in that verse. Elijah has just declared fearlessly and boldly in front of Ahab that he's shutting the weather off, the rain's going to stop. He has declared to Ahab that the Lord God of Israel liveth, that God is paying attention, that God is alive, that God does have the power, and that he is in control, and that he is still speaking, and Elijah's the representative of that. Baal's not the one in charge. Can you fathom the boldness of Elijah the Tishbite, this outlier to step in and boldly on faith make that declaration unto King Ahab. This entire passage of scripture, as we will see in our study this evening, is about obedience to God, doing what God asks, even if there's a high cost associated with it. We might say that Elijah took a risk. We might say that Elijah gambled that God would come through, but really he didn't take a risk, and really he did not gamble as he declared God is alive, and he was aware that he stood in the presence of, accountable to that holy God. In order for God to get his message out, he sends Elijah. And Elijah makes the declaration that the rain is going to stop. We're going to enter into a period of drought, which will no doubt bring about a famine. 
So God, after having Elijah deliver that message, gives Elijah another order. He tells him to get out of there and go to the brook Cherith. And we pick up in verse 6 where we read this. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he, that is Elijah, drank of the brook. Now that's covering a lot of ground, but by verse 6, Elijah the Tishbite is in hiding. He's out by the brook Cherith. Now, it's not raining. Famine is going to be set in, and for about a year and a half, Elijah is here. God does something that is really strange. It's somewhat out of the ordinary, even within Scripture. He starts to take care of his prophet. He begins to feed Elijah, as we read, with ravens bringing him bread and flesh in the morning and in the evening, and Elijah drinks water of the brook. Why would God use ravens? Well, probably the answer in short is because he can. Maybe he's declaring unto Elijah, who has said God is alive, that he can use anyone, that he can use anything, that he can use any means to accomplish his will and to provide. He's certainly strengthening the faith of Elijah in this moment, strengthening and hardening the character of Elijah in this moment, showing him that he can come through. Now, Elijah is here for an extended period of time. And something begins to happen to the brook due to the lack of rain. It starts to dry up. Verse 7 says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Now that makes perfect sense to us. Elijah boldly steps out, goes before Ahab, fearlessly makes a declaration on faith. And by the way, James tells us in the New Testament, Elijah was not some superhuman. He was not some super spiritual individual. He was normal just like us. He was common just like us. Same fears, same limitations, but in faith, his prayer works. God stops the rain. Now in hiding, pushed off to the wayside, fed by ravens morning and evening, drinking from the brook. You might sense a little frustration if the brook begins to dry up. What could possibly be worse than now running out of water? Well, God comes to Elijah and he gives him another assignment. He says this to him in verse 7, Elijah, I'm now done with you at the brook Cherith. Arise Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now let that sink in for a second. Elijah sees that the brook is drying up. I imagine that he is praying. He's talking to God about his current situation. And God says, okay, Elijah, now it's time for you to get up and it's time for you to go to Zarephath, which belongs unto Zidon, because I'm going to take care of you there. And then God says, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, if I was Elijah and I had taken the step of faith to boldly declare that a drought was going to onset in front of Ahab the king who wanted to kill me, and then God moved me out to a brook where I was fed by ravens, which doesn't sound all that appealing, and drinking from the brook, and then the brook dried up. And then I'm getting sent to Zarephath. I would hope for, finally, a break in the weather, as it were. Yet God says to him, a widow. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. If it's odd, and it is, that God would use ravens to feed Elijah, 
It's culturally just as odd that he would select a widow woman to sustain him there in Zarephath. A widow woman would have been utterly dependent on the kindness of those that were around her. And as the drought was onset and the famine was beginning to expand, people who had extra that normally would have given to a widow are probably even giving less to the poor and the needy. She does not have a lot. She is eking out an existence there in Zarephath. And yet God says, I've picked her to sustain you. Now, this is important. Note that before he goes... To Zarephath, God says, I have already commanded a widow woman there to provide for your needs. So now we have a second individual coming in who has to obey God. Elijah, arise, get to Zarephath. Now Elijah, on faith, goes to Zarephath. And this widow woman is expecting his arrival. And she's been asked for something too. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, look, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. You can imagine her stopping in her tracks turning back to him and saying, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Those are dire circumstances. I don't believe she's being hyperbolic in the least. I think she's telling him the truth. He asks, bring me something to drink. She pivots to get him something to drink. While she's on the way, he asks for a cake. She tells him the truth. I have nothing prepared. I have nothing in the cupboard. I have nothing ready to go. I do have a handful of meal and I do have a little bit of oil. I'm preparing right now to make a cake and we're going to eat that. And that is the end of the line for us. We have nothing beyond that. That is all the earthly possession that this woman has. A handful of meal and a little oil. And by the way, that's not much. In the New Testament, we always praise the widow with two mites. Understand that this widow here doesn't even have two mites. She has, and these words are very instructive, she has a handful of meal And she has a little oil, a handful that would literally fit in the hollow of your hand. And little, that word, is a very small amount. Even the cake that she could produce is not going to be all that impressive. Elijah has stepped out in faith, and God has provided for him. Now, we would expect that this step of faith would be rewarded with more than tidbits from ravens and water from a brook. But God has sent him now to a widow in Zarephath who has nothing. The capacity to make just a little cake, eat it, and that's the end of the line. And Elijah does something, and these words really stand out to me. In verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. She's been commanded. She knows what's being asked of her. She, at this moment in time, caring for her child, 
is afraid. This is it. We're going to die. And Elijah, and this is quite audacious, says to her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. Take those two sticks, go and make that cake. But notice what he says. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. Two words that do not sound very Christian. Two words that sound somewhat petulant. Me first. Bring me a little cake first and then worry about your needs. And then take care of what you need. Now in that moment, it sounds really cold. And honestly, I think Elijah probably wrestled with even saying it. I know I would have. But here's the truth. It wasn't Elijah asking this woman for the cake. You say, now hold on, I just read it. It was Elijah. Okay, Elijah's the one doing the askings, but he's doing so at the behest of God. Ultimately, it's God that is asking this woman to take this step of faith. And we'll go right back to it, to take a risk, to take a gamble. But she has already said she, like Elijah, who said, the Lord God of Israel liveth, she says to Elijah, as your God liveth, she knows the same thing that he knows. Ultimately, it's not a risk. Ultimately, it's not a gamble because God is alive and God is in control. Remember, he had already commanded the widow woman to do the sustaining. She had received the command to provide for the man of God. But there are some real challenges associated with that. She does not have much. She has a handful of meal and a very little bit of oil. She's living in the midst of a drought, not a single drop of rain, not even dew. Animals have no doubt died at this point. Crops have died off. Industry has dried up. She's reminded that She's limited because she's a widow. Why of all people would God ask me to do this? There are larger dwellings and there are people that have storehouses full of stuff all around here. And you ask me, who only has a little bit in the hand and a little bit in a cruise of oil, you ask me, instead of all these people around here, to give a gift of this magnitude? I'm so limited. I can't do this. It sounds like our study of Moses, does it not? The fact is, what God has asked, and we could say it this way, is not really for Elijah, but it's for him. And she believed. It's stunning. It strikes me that he says, fear not to her. This is the tone that God is setting. And then Elijah informs her of what he knows to be true about God. He says in verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And by the way, he was the one that would offer up the prayer to start the rain again. This is the moment in time that we pause. This is the moment in time that we reflect, we meditate, we take this situation in. Elijah, we think, big Elijah, big step of faith, big incredible prayer to the God of the impossible, shutting down rain and dew. Man, he's going to be set for life. No, he's fed by ravens and he's sustained by a widow. 
This widow is acknowledging that she's at the end of the line. She doesn't have a storehouse. She has her and her son. They're already wasting away. They have very little to give. But God has asked her to give the very little that she has. What will she do? In verse 15, here's what we read. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fill according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Now again, a big time step of faith by this widow. <laughs> I, I wish, when it's me, I wish for this widow that God would snap his fingers and she would have a full cruise of oil or many cruises of oil. That he would snap his fingers and he'd fill the barrel to the tip top with meal. And that maybe she'd have a lot of barrels. Now all of a sudden she does have a storehouse full of meal and, and a whole cupboard full of oil. But God does something interesting. Every day that she goes back, there's just enough to make another meal. When in reality... Had she not taken the step of faith, she was making the last meal and then she would die. Now she goes back and every time she goes back, it's not filled to the top, but there's enough for one more meal. The oil's not filled to the top, but there's enough for one more cake. She's almost always out. And it requires faith every time she goes back. I think that's the definition truly of daily bread. When she woke up the next day, she had to trust that it would be there. And it was. And they did eat for many days. Did they eat like kings? No. Did they have enough? Yeah. Would she have had it without the step of faith? No. Does that stand to reason? No. And that's what God does in moments of stewardship and generosity. We could look around and imagine there are certainly other people that can give more. And probably there are. There are people who have deeper pockets and, and more capacity, but that's not what it's about. He's asking us to give our handful, our little, and he wants to do something with it. He said, well, will there be a payoff for me? Ah, yeah, you'll have enough. I don't think it means necessarily that you take this big step of faith and God all of a sudden pours out. He may do that, certainly he will bless and open the windows of heaven, and all of those scriptural principles apply, but it could be like it was just for the widow. Enough, enough, enough. Faith every day. She's learning of God's faithfulness. It's all about obeying God. Obedience and faith is willing to take a risk, to risk everything. And in reality, even as I use that phrase, I do so for our understanding, but it's not really a risk at all because we serve the living God, the God of the impossible, who has promised to bless us if we obey him, if we take those steps of faith. Elijah is learning about God. Elijah had to have faith to go to the brook and trust that God would sustain him. And when he saw the brook drying up, he had to take another step of faith to go to the widow of Zarephath and, and to trust that she would be able to sustain him. And she had to take a big step of faith to give the little tiny bit that she had. And imagine what God is able to do. 
When all these big major feats of spiritual strength that are carried out by Elijah throughout his life, it goes back to one widow woman that was willing to take a step of faith and not really a step that was too risky. Just trust God. As I look forward to what God has in store for all of us, I think, you know, God is asking us for something. Sometimes it is financial. Sometimes it's energy. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's effort. Sometimes it's really the aim and purpose of our life. But God asks, and we have a decision to make. We find ourselves in the valley where this widow woman was. What do I do? Well, don't be afraid. Do what God's asked, and you will find that God is faithful. Don't think you have to have a storehouse to participate. Just participate with what you have and watch what God can do. It's incredible. Me first. That's what Elijah said. And then God will take care of you. They don't seem like Christian words, but pause for a second and imagine God saying to you and to me, me first, and then I will take care of you. And and he says this in the New Testament. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things that concern you shall be added unto you. Me first. Are you willing to obey God with the little that you have and watch God work? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness and your provision. Help us to be people of faith with the little that we have or the much that we have to honor you in obedience. Lead us now and provide for us miraculously. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.